Get ready for the new. Get ready for the new. And our foundation scripture was in Isaiah 43, verses 18 and 19. It says, Do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. And we talked about the fact that the first part of that scripture says, do not remember the former things. Don't even consider them. And I talked about how your memory, your yesterdays addicted to you. It's so addicted to you that what happened to you yesterday affects what's going to happen to you tomorrow. And so as much as it might have been very good or it might have been very, very bad, you need to divorce yourself from your yesterday. And I'm not saying forget your yesterday. You cannot. Our memory is for eternity. Your memory, you're going to remember everything you did on earth when you get to heaven. And we saw that with the rich man and Lazarus. When the rich man died in heaven, he remembered everything. To the point where he said, please, I don't want my brothers, my family members to come here. Go, Jesus, God, send somebody, send a prophet. So your memory will be with you forever. God is not telling you, wipe your memory. If you have amnesia, that is, that, we need to go see a doctor. But the problem is, we allow the things that have happened to us in the past, whether good or bad, to kind of put a block, a, a roadblock, a stumbling block. In front of us, where we think, oh, because of this, I'm not qualified for this. Or because I've done this, it's time for me to rest. No. And hopefully I can show you all the scriptures today, how Joshua, at the age of, age of 80, 80 years old was when he took Jericho. So today, now that we have forgotten, and we are not considering the past, and we want to, with, with joy and with a lot of enthusiasm, we want to go forward. The next thing is for us to see what God says in that scripture. In verse 19 of 43, Isaiah 43, he says, Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? God is always doing something. Always. The problem is, sometimes we don't know how to behold right, to see what God is doing. Revelations chapter 21 verse 5. Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. I'm speaking that to you this morning. God is wanting to make things new in your life. What has, it, what, has, what has been holding you back? That one thing, I want you to focus on it today. If it's one or two things, focus on it. And as we speak, you are going, and as I speak, the Holy Spirit speaks and, and gives us his mind and his heart for us this morning. I want you to start seeing how that thing that has been holding you back, God wants to do a new thing in that. Or what you have desired, God wants to bring it to pass. He says, behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, write for these words are true and faithful. When God speaks, his words are true and his words are faithful. Proverbs 29, 18, in the message translation. This is a scripture we all know very well. 
that without vision people perish. But listen to this. It says, if people cannot see what God is doing, they stumble over themselves. Isn't that powerful? If you don't see what God is doing in your life, there's a tendency for you to keep making mistakes and falling and stumbling just because you cannot see. So it's very important for us to have spiritual vision. If you don't have that, pray that God will give you that and start walking and you're going to see a lot of things that a believer needs to do to have spiritual vision. It is crucial, especially in the times we live in, for you to have very good, acute spiritual vision. Behold, I do a new thing. Behold, I bring a new thing into your life. That's what God is telling you today. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 18. It says, Why we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the, thi- at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary. Everything you see with your eyes is subject to change. Realize that no matter how hard it is, no matter how bad it has been, it is subject to change. And so don't build a a tent and stay there because that's how it has always been. God can change and do something new in your life. And so developing a spiritual vision is crucial. And so the word is, behold. That's the scripture we are talking about. It says, behold. And let's look at that word, behold. Behold is a word that tries to catch your attention. It's a word that tells you, listen. You are falling asleep. You are not paying attention. Lean forward. Look into it more closely. Listen. Open your eyes. Don't miss what is about to happen. Because if you miss it, it goes by fast. Is that, it it seems like it's something that will happen real quick, and if you're not paying attention, you could miss it. And so it's telling you today, behold, behold, I'm about to do something. Don't miss it. You have to have that spirit of expectancy. You have to be looking forward to it. That's what it's telling you. Don't let yourself slack down. Don't, don't lay back. Don't, don't be inattentive. Open your eyes. Because this thing that is coming is huge and you don't want to miss it. And so how do we open our eyes? I, 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 I wear some, about three or four different perfumes. And you know there's a tendency, if you have a perfume that you wear, after a while you don't even smell it anymore. People come to you, give you a hug and they say, Oh, that perfume smells good. What's the name? Half of the time if you're like me, you forgot the name, right? And you're like, oh, I have like three or four. I don't even really know. You know, we can be in the presence of God. We can be so used to being believers and knowing God that sometimes we don't even realize what we have. We don't even realize the fragrance we are wearing. And people see you and they know there's something different about you. They can't put their hand on it, but they know you. There's something, there's something. And you don't even know it. And instead of you to carry that grace and that glory, and infect everywhere. You let them infect you. They are complaining, you complain too. They are discussing about how things are bad and how everybody is hopeless and, and you join in. Meanwhile, the fragrance in you is what God wants you to take in there and change. 
So we must also be very aware what we do. How we carry ourselves. You are different. You are different. The Bible says the children that the Lord has given me, they are for signs and wonders. Look at yourself the way God sees you. Because you can bring newness into people's lives too. But you have to be aware of what you're carrying. You have to be aware of what you're carrying. And remember when you are beholding, back to beholding now, when you are beholding, really, don't look for what you think needs to be done. Don't look for what you dream for yourself. And don't look for the direction you want to go. Because that's why God wants you to look very closely. Behold. Because sometimes we are so set in our way, the way we want it to, do, to be done, the way we want God to open and answer our prayers, that when those prayers are answered, we completely miss it. Do you know that when you pray for rain, or rather when you pray for growth, you say, God, I want to grow, I want to do great things for you. You know what he will do? He will bring rain in your life. And if you miss it, you don't allow that rain to water you and let that seed to grow. We ask, oh God, I want to be anointed. Lord, anoint me, use me. Oh God, I want to reach the nations. I want, I want your name to come out through me, thousands and thousands. He says, you want to be anointed? Then he takes you and he crushes you. Like he crushes the olive so that the anointing can come out. God, I want to influence lives. I want, I want my life to be like that tree that birds can come in and rest on. And then he gives you an acorn or a mustard seed. And he says, walk with this. And we don't behold. We don't behold that that thing is what he's going to use to answer your prayers. So we must behold Right. And when you are beholding, don't expect it to be what you want. We will miss it when we do that. We are going to look at two events in the Bible so that we can know how to start looking and making sure we are seen right. Jesus was born 400 years. Between Malachi and Matthew, it was 400 years. The Israelites had been under all kinds of oppression. Different nations had taken them into captivity, oppressing them. At the time Jesus was born, it was the Roman Empire that was oppressing them. They were all over the place, taxing them, just kind of, I mean, they were like slaves under the Roman Empire. And the people were praying for a Savior. They were praying for a Messiah. God, we want something new. We are tired of this oppression. Does that seem like us? It seems like years we've been praying for this one thing. It's not coming. You are asking God, God, I'm tired of the enemy oppressing me. I'm tired of this thing in my life. I'm tired of my family being under this yoke. Lord, I want something new. That was the same situation with them. They were praying and praying and praying. I mean, every child knew the Messiah was coming. Everybody knew he was coming. But they were expecting him to come as how? As a knight in shining armor. As a warrior, as a king, with, with, with thousands and thousands of, of soldiers with him to, to come and conquer all their enemies. That's what they were looking for. And he came as a baby. 
Let's read some scriptures here. Luke 2, verses 22 to 24. Now when the days of our purification, according to the law of Moses, I'm going to come back to that. I underlined that because I wanted to take care of Take note of certain scriptures. So I've told them now to start underlining scriptures for me or highlighting them. According to the law of Moses, we are, now when the days of our purification, according to the law of Moses, were completed, they brought Jesus to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, as it is written in the law of Moses. Every male who, appear, who opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord, and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of two, a pair of turtle doves of two young pigeons. You could either have turtle doves or you could have pigeons. Now, if you have a study Bible, you will see a little tag that says to go look at Leviticus chapter 12, verse 6. And I'll put verses 8 also there. It says, when the days of our purification are fulfilled, whether for a son or a daughter, that is the mother now, she shall bring to the priest a lamb, of the first year as a burnt offering, and a young pigeon or a turtle dove as a sin offering to the door of the tabernacle of Midian. And if she's not able, listen to this, if she's not able to bring a lamb, then she may bring what? Two turtle doves or two young pigeons as a burnt offering and the other as a sin offering, so the priest shall make atonement for her and she shall be clean. So Mary, if she was rich or if they had money, she would have gone with a lamb and then she would have gone with a turtle dove or a pigeon. But she could not afford a lamb and she went with two turtle doves. You know that that she could have been looked down because when she came in, immediately the priests and the leaders in the, in the temple would know, oh, this one is a poor person. So she's likely the one they're not going to go to because they're not going to get meat. From that offering. Remember, the meat of the offerings were for the priest. And so most likely Mary was and Joseph with Jesus would be overlooked. Because obviously they are poor. But they didn't realize she didn't have a lamb because she was carrying the lamb. Their eyes could not open to see that she may not have had the lamb that they, they needed. But she was carrying what they were waiting for, what they had been longing for, the lamb that would actually take away their sins and the sins of the world. And it was only one man and one woman in the whole church that knew what was going on. Simeon and Anna. Only two people in the whole temple. That's what I want us to please put in the back of our minds. We are finishing a new, an old year. We are going into a new year. And I believe with my whole heart. I already can see, they said, when you see the wind, when you see the trees shaking, you know that God is doing something. I already can see things happening. I can't even start to tell you I've not been released yet. But you all are going to be blown away by the things God is going to do in this church next year. And everybody, every one of us must be carried along. But you have to be careful that you're seeing with your spiritual eyes that you're beholding correctly. Let's see what, what Simeon said. Let's see what he said in the scriptures. He was a man with spiritual vision. He says in Luke 2, verses 25 to 32, Behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. 
And this man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. I told you they've been waiting for 400 years. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. He was just, he was devout, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And the Bible says, it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord Jesus. So you see the importance of the Holy Spirit for us to rely on him, for him to open our eyes, because he's the one that will reveal Jesus, just like he did. The Bible says when you receive the Holy Spirit, one of the things that he does is to reveal Jesus to you. So in this case, you can see how the Holy Spirit was what revealed Jesus to Simeon. And then verse 27 says, So he came by the Spirit into the temple. He came by the Spirit. Are we not supposed to do the same thing? Come by the Spirit. Live by the Spirit. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now... You are letting your servant depart in peace, according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all peoples, a light to bring revelation to the Gentile and the glory of your people Israel. So I want to bring out some few things there. It says he was a just man. Who is a just person? A just person is the one that has received justification for their sins. Your sins have been forgiven. In the eyes of God, you are now just. You are now righteous. And that's all of us here if you have received Jesus. You must be aware of that. For the, only, for, for the Holy Spirit to open your eyes and for you to behold right, you must be a just person. And so if you've been cleansed from your sins, you don't longer have any part of sin and, and living in darkness anymore. A just person, your heart and your life have been made right with God. A just person is an obedient person, obedient to everything God says. Are we perfect? No. Perfection is not the same as justification. Perfection means only Jesus can be perfect. We know that we still live in this mortal body. But we know that God has justified us. He has paid this price and he has taken away our sins. And we live under that covering of justification, under his righteousness. He said the man was devout. What is devotion? Devout was gotten from the word devotion. It means total commitment. Total commitment to God. If you are going to see right, you cannot have one leg in the world and one leg in, in, in Christianity, in the, in the church or in the Bible or things of God. You have to be fully committed to the things of God. Total commitment, not half-heartedness, no lukewarmness, no sporadic way of serving God. You are focused, you are committed, and you are doing everything within your power to do what God has called you to do. When you are that kind of a Christian, new things are going to happen in your life. Because if God, if God is going to be speaking to you, if God is going to be speaking to me, he wants to make sure he finds you in the same position every time he comes. You have to be all the time where he can find you. Amen? And then he said the Holy Spirit was upon him. Upon him. There are two things. The Holy Spirit in and then the Holy Spirit upon. There are two different things. We all have the Holy Spirit in us when we get saved. Now, the Holy Spirit being upon you, on you, is a completely different thing. The gifts of the Spirit and the attributes of the Spirit, you can find those in Galatians chapter 5. Peace, joy, goodness, mercy, 
considering other people, not, a, not an angry person, not envious, not jealous. All those gifts, the Bible says, those are things. Sexual immorality is not part of it. If, you're, if the Holy Spirit is upon you, sexual immorality, adultery, envy, strife, jealousy, drunkenness, pride, quarreling, selfish ambitions cannot be part of your life. That's the way we know who the Holy Spirit is upon. Not just on the inside, but we see it on you. Amen? So that was the kind of man Simeon was. And that was the kind of man that God opened his eyes to see Jesus when no other person was able to see Jesus. So what am I telling us here? If the new thing that we are believing God for, that we are praying for, if it's going to happen, go and read the life of Simeon. Be a just believer. Be a devout believer. And be a believer who exhibits the gifts of the Holy Spirit in your life. Because God wants to do something new, that I know. But we have to be ready to carry that thing that he wants to do in our life. Now, the second person, I'm going to stay here a little bit because I still have some time, is Joshua. Is Joshua. Joshua was a man that came into the, the life of Moses and became Moses' assistant. And if you read everything about Joshua, he was the most humble person, anything uh, Moses wanted, he would guard Moses, he protected Moses, anything Moses wanted him to do, he did. He never did it because he wanted a position. I don't even think he wanted, he, he wanted to be a leader because if you read Joshua chapter 1, everything God was telling him was, oh, be strong and courageous, be strong and courageous. I mean, he told him that over and over. So we know that he probably was a man who was very fearful. He was probably a man who didn't have a lot of self-esteem. He was a man who probably didn't think he could ever do anything significant. Because everywhere you see, before God talks to Joshua, he will tell him, be strong and courageous. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will go with you. You will take the land. Isn't that how we are too? I know that's how I am. I know how difficult it was for me to do what I'm doing now. I know that if it wasn't for the grace of God and, and the strength of the Holy Spirit and, and the Holy Spirit telling me, helping me, I, I wouldn't be here. That was Joshua too. And this man, his soul was sold out to the Lord. He was um, he, one of those two. It was him and Caleb. When Moses told them to go spy out the Canaan land, there were seven nations. When they told them to go spy out, only two of them brought back a good report. And said, yes, we can take the land. Even though all the other people, the, other, the eight of them said, no, too much. We are like grasshoppers in our sight. They are like giants in the land. He was only one, just him and Caleb, that said, no, we can. if God said we can do it, we can do it. And now, that was 40 years, he was 40 years old. Now he's 80 years old. Moses, uh, Moses is dead and he's now leading the people. And they're about to enter the land of Canaan. And there were seven nations. Right at the Jordan is the city of Jericho. And let's see what Jericho is. Jericho, the wall of Jericho, was 40 feet high. 40 feet high. And the width was six feet. 
So that means you could actually drive a car on top of the wall. That wall was massive. And it was such a huge obstacle. And when they arrived there, <laughs> I think, I, I mean, if it's you, God tells you you're going to take this land. It's a land flowing with milk and honey, but the very first place you come to has a wall that's 40 feet high and 6 feet long. You're going to go back and say, okay, Lord. Isn't that what some of our issues look like? Over the years, year in, year out, it's the same thing to the point now it's become a stable and sturdy structure in your life. And you think there's no way, it's, it's too impossible. And then to crown it all, you are 80 years old now. You've been wanting to move in. Remember, he went, they, they started this journey 40 years ago. This has been going on for so long. You've been going around and around in the wilderness for 40 years and now you're 80. What can you do at the age of 80? In, at 80, you are facing this huge wall, this huge obstacle. But God says, I will do a new thing. God will do something that has never been done before. Joshua was also the one God moved back the time one, one whole day behind. God can do what he has never done before for you. But you have to believe it. Don't look at your age. Don't look at what has happened in the past. Behold, be focused. Tunnel vision. And say, God, I'm going to stay with you. To make sure this is done. Because I know you put it in my heart. Joshua chapter 5, verses 13 and 14. When Joshua was by Jericho, he lifted up his eyes and what? He looked. And that word again is there, and behold. And behold. And behold, a man was standing beside him, before him, with his drawn sword by his hand. I'm sure Joshua went out to figure out, how am I going to take this? He was by himself. We're not told he was with the soldiers or the other people. He probably went out and trying to contemplate, how am I going to do this? How am I going to lead these people off to do this for, for the Lord? But then we see there, he said, he lifted up his eyes and looked. So what he's having here is he's having two sets of eyes. He's having his natural eyes to look up, but then he's looking and seeing with his spiritual eyes. We have to also do the same thing. We must be able to develop double vision. Where you can see the physical things around you, but you can lift your eyes and see the spiritual things around you. You must be able to see the physical and the spiritual at the same time. Because if your eyes only will see the physical, you will never see the spiritual manifest. The Bible says he lifted up his eyes and he looked. And this man that came, he wasn't like, he, he just had a sword on his hand. He wasn't like a, a military person. He wasn't in shiny robes. In the Bible, sometimes when you read these things, you think, oh, he saw the man. The man was not looking like an ordinary person. No, this was just an ordinary man, but he had his sword drawn. And look at what J Jacob asked him in, in verse 13b and 14a. He went to him and said, are you for us or for our adversaries? This is very, very, very important. Pay attention. And the man, which we know is Jesus, said, no. No? Why are you here with me if you are not for me and you are not for your adversaries? What, what is... And then he told him, but, 
I am the commander. Listen, we like to say God is on my side. God is for me. God is not against me. Oh, this, this, that. But are you on God's side? We want God to be on our side, but are we on the side of God? That's what Jesus is telling Joshua here. He says, no, I'm not here to follow you. I'm not here to do what you want to do. He says, I am the captain. I am the commander. You will follow me. I am not going to follow you. You cannot have your plans all laid out and tell him, okay, Jesus, follow me and do it the way I want. No. He is the commander and he is the captain. And you must follow him in what he tells you to do for you to see the new. For that Jericho in your life to come down, you have to do it his way, not your way. He's the commander. The Bible says he's the author and the finisher of our faith. He's not your co-pilot. He is the pilot. You are the passenger at the back. We keep saying, oh, he's my co-pilot. I'm like, no, that doesn't even make sense. If he's your co-pilot, somebody's in the wrong seat. He can't be your co-pilot. He's the pilot. He's the co-pilot. You are just a passenger. He's where he wants to go. You have not, nothing to say about that. I didn't want to be a widow. <laughs> This is not what I desired ever. But I'm not the pilot of my life. I'm not the captain of my life. I'm not the commander of my life. I have given my life to him. I have poured my life out as an offering. Wherever he wants me to go, I'm, I'm going. And whatever he wants me to do, I'm doing. When we are like that before God, new things will always happen. Because he knows that he can trust you. He knows you don't have an agenda. He knows you don't have an ulterior motive. He knows it's not about you. He knows that whatever he does for you is going to give his son glory. Do you think God will not use and do things for someone like that? He will. He will. Jesus said, no, I'm not for you. I'm not for them. I'm for whoever follows me. I'm for who lets me be captain of their life. So, Jesus must be your captain. You must surrender completely to him. The Bible says in Colossians chapter 7, uh, 1 verse 17 and 18, it says he is before all things, and in him all things consist. And he is the head. He is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning. He is the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have what? The preeminence. So that's what Joshua did. He said, oh, I must submit wholly, completely to you. You must lead. But how did, how did uh, Joshua respond to that? Let's see what Joshua did. In Joshua 5, verses 14 to 15, and Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshipped. He wasn't mad. He wasn't saying, no, I'm, I'm the one that has been leading all these people all these years. I, you, you must follow. I have a plan. I have a strategy. No. He went down on his face and worshipped God and said to God, and, uh, what does my Lord want my servant, his servant to do? That's what his answer, his, his answer was when he fell on his face. He was whatever God wanted. And the commander of the army said to Joshua, Take off your sandals from your feet, 
Do you remember who he told to do that to? Moses. For the place where you are standing is holy. And what? Joshua did so. What is the significance of taking off your shoes? When you take off, that was what they did in the olden days, in, in, in those days. When you take off your shoes in war, you're surrendering or your authority to the person. You're saying, okay, I, I surrender. I give all authority. I give everything to you. So when, when, when Jesus here, the, the pre-incarnate Jesus, told him to take off his shoes, he was saying, take off everything that is you and put it aside. And then secondly, when you take your shoes off, your legs become very sensitive. You are careful where you step. Because if you don't, you're going to hurt yourself. And so when you take your shoes off, it means you're submitting and you're being sensitive to the Holy Spirit. You become more sensitive to Him when you're walking without shoes in His presence. And that's what Joshua did. He became more sensitive to the things of God. So we've talked about many things here. The ability to have double vision is important. The ability to be in the presence of God is important. The ability to submit to Him is important. But most important is what we speak out of our mouth. What we speak out of our mouth is so crucial, believing and speaking God's promise. Joshua chapter 6, verses 1 and 2. Now Jericho was securely shut up because of the children of Israel. None went out from Jericho and none came in. And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hand. His king and the mighty men of valor, in the face of God, in the eyes of God, they were already given. Now, Physically, when God told, when Jesus told Joshua this, physically, the wall was still there. Physically, all the obstacles were still there. But God told him, see, again, that word, see, behold, I have given you Jericho into your hand. The king and the mighty men of valor, they've all been taking this. Everything has been given to you. Joshua could have said, oh Lord, this wall is still here. What are you talking about? But if you go and read the remaining part of chapter 6, he went to his people. God gave him a strategy. And he went to the people, the army and the children of Israel, and he gave them the strategy God gave him. We're going to march around every day. And on the seventh day, we're going to march around seven times. And then we're going to scream, and you're going to blow the horns, and the walls will come down. Do you know the faith it took for that man to do that? You think about it. For him to go, you, you know how the contemplation he must have done between the time God told him and gave him the instruction for him to go to the children of Israel and tell them exactly what God has told him. Do you know what he must have taken? That is what God is requiring for us to. God is put something on your heart. You are believing God for that one thing or those two things. What are you going to be saying about it? Are you going to be saying in your mouth or from your mouth that, oh, it's, it's too hard. How can this wall ever come down? It's 40 feet high. It's 6 feet wide. How can this ever happen? How can this sickness that I've had for years ever be taken away from me? How can my finances turn around? I've never ever had, I'm always stretching and stretching. How can this child of mine who is not serving Lord, the Lord come back? 
How can this my job that I hate? How can this my business that have failed? How can, how can, how can? If you keep saying how can, you're going to can yourself. How can, how can? How can God, how can God? You need to say God can. God can. God can. God can. God can. Let that be what you come out of your mouth. Because with God, nothing is impossible. Nothing is impossible. If a wall that's 40 feet high and 6 inches, 6 feet wide can fall down, there is nothing in your life that God cannot do for you. But what we say out of our mouth is what making us shoot ourselves in the foot. We pray in our closet, we believe God, and then we come out and say exactly the opposite, and we cancel out the hour we have spent in God's presence. Change your conversation. Develop double vision. Stay in His presence. Let Him lead you. Don't lead yourself. And that Jericho is going to fall. Stand up on your feet today. Hallelujah. I know I have a Jericho that I'm believing God for. And if you're like me, most of us here have Jerichos. That is so, it looks so impossible. That we are saying, God, if you don't do it, no other person can do it for me. If you are in that position, I want you to come down here this morning. I want you to come down so that you can, on your own, in the presence of the Lord here, let him know that no matter how difficult, no matter how hard, no matter how your physical eyes are looking at that problem, no matter how the enemy is telling you, he, he's just grinding you down, that your Jericho is going to fall. That God is going to do something new in your life. Beginning today, we are not waiting for 2023. Beginning today, now. Now. I want our prayer partners just come behind and lay hands. I want two sisters just come in and lay hand. Um, Ashley, lay hand. Brother, you know, you are just, just lay hand on them. Just lay hand on them. Just lay your hands on them. Oh, Lord, I thank you. Lord, I thank you because nothing is impossible with you. Nothing is impossible with you, God. Nothing is impossible with you, God. Nothing is impossible with you, God. Jericho fall down. Jericho fall down. Wall fall down. Wall be destroyed in the name of Jesus. Wall be destroyed in the name of Jesus. Oh, nothing is too hard for God to do. Oh, nothing is too hard. Your Jericho has fallen down. In Jesus' name. Your Jericho is down. In Jesus' name. Oh, Father, with you nothing is impossible. Nothing is impossible. You stretch your hands. Please stretch your hands towards the ones that are here. We are a family. Let's agree together. Let's agree that no Jericho will stand in the way of the children of God. No Jericho will stand in the way. Every wall will fall down. Every wall will be broken in the name of Jesus. Oh, you are going to be everything that God called you to be. You are going to walk in your high places. Every plan of the enemy, I destroy it over your life. I break every hold. I break every stronghold. Every wall that has risen against you. The Bible says they will surely gather, but not by you. Anyone that gathers against you falls for your sake. But Jericho is down today. Your wall is crumbled today. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Every wall of opposition, 
every wall of opposition, every wall of limitation, every wall I break you down in the name of Jesus. Every wall be down in the name of Jesus. Break, 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 break. I feel the anointing on you, brother. You are just running up. I thank the Lord. God is running away things. God is melting away. The Bible says the presence of the Lord, the mountains will melt like wax. As you are in His presence, soaked in His presence right now. All your mountains are melting like wax. All your walls are coming down, are breaking down like wax. Oh my Lord, thank you. Oh my God, thank you. Oh 